0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Such a Good Feeling. My name's Steve Anderson, and today's guest is responsible for some of the catchiest, most brilliant pop songs of all time. Please welcome songwriter and all-round pop royalty, Hannah Robinson. Morning, Hannah.
1: Hello. That was nice. What a lovely intro.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It is true. It's probably hard for you to accept, but it is true, and I'm not the only person that thinks so.
1: Mm, Yeah. It is quite hard to accept, actually, but I'll take it. That's very nice. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, there's, there's so. I mean, you are. You've written all manners of songs and all types of songs, but you know, you do have a knack for a super mm. catchy earworm.
1: Yeah, I mean that is that is what I enjoy doing, and it's what I enjoy trying to do. Actually, I think um, it's funny you say uh, what you just said because actually, I think of all the songs in between, and there yes. are thousands of them. Yes. So all the songs in between that never happened, and then you have these you know, catchy songs that that made it through. I think you sometimes dwell on the ones in the middle and not the ones
0: that made it. It's funny. But is it not the case sometimes with, you know, without those, you would not have reached the others?
1: Absolutely. No, I know. Absolutely. It's, it, it's yeah. all
0: a weird journey and there's sort of semi-formed ideas that happen in the ones that aren't quite there that, you know, it's, it's funny, isn't it, when you write songs and you get a thing where it's like the sum of all the parts isn't quite right, but mm. there's one of the parts that is gold and it just, hangs around and then finds its place in a different jigsaw, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah. I mean, there was a song. I mean, it was the can't beat the feeling song that I did for Kylie.
0: One of my favorite ever songs you've written.
1: But that, this doesn't happen very often, but that song in particular did have a journey. I Mm. mean, it started with uh, a chorus that I wrote on a session with Pascal Gabriel. Mm. And then I think there were about five incarnations of that song.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because for one reason or another, it was never quite right. But actually, if you were to listen to some of the versions, you'd probably think, oh, that one was actually quite good. Oh, that one had a bit I I quite liked. But um, yeah, the final version took a long, long time, which kind of seems ridiculous, really.
0: Because it's actually, uh, uh, without knowing that, it's an incredibly simple song.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. Which makes me think why did, was it not just done right in the first place? But um yeah, I mean there was I think there was one version in between where we thought we'd cracked it and that's when I took that I took that chorus into a session with Matt Prime because I was det- I mean I was determined to get that song through because I thought it had something. Mm. And uh, and we reworked the verse and we thought we had it and then uh the record company liked that version. And then I think it was Kylie at that point that said, I'd like the verse to be poppier. And as soon as she said that, it was almost uh, a green light to do what I'm better at doing, actually. Yeah. So we, I maybe overcomplicated it, thinking it had to be something else. And actually, Simple and Poppy was the way forward. So that was down to Kylie. But- <laughs>
0: She's quite good at that. She's, um, I sort of call her the ultimate muse, but sometimes, and I think also in your head when you're sitting there thinking, okay, well, she's going to be singing this as well. Yeah. That's helpful.
2: Yeah. So you kind yeah, of can yeah, hear, yeah.
0: That, hear, hear that voice. But it is a, I mean, that is a really good example, that song of just pure joy encapsulated in three and a half minutes.
1: I know. I loved that song. I really did it, love that song.
0: It doesn't let up for a single second.
1: No, it's quite instant. Yeah, I know. It was, <laughs> yeah, good times.
0: Yeah, really good. And,
1: I th- and just being fortunate enough. I, I mean, it could have stopped. The, the, that song journey could have stopped a lot earlier, but I was fortunate fortunate enough to that she heard it. Mm. So because she heard it, she could then have an opinion and then make a change. And it was a change for the better. And therefore it happened, but it could have so easily gone in the pop bin.
0: No, totally. I've always said that that's the sort of the natural successor to love at first sight. Actually, that song, it feels like it's like the next, the next version of that, the sort of the, uh, the next one. So just going back a little bit um, before we get into that, what's the, uh, what's the sort of soundtrack of your house growing up?
1: You know, I can this I can do quite easily. So basically, I mean, growing up, I would listen. I mean, in the house we'd have Earth, Wind, and Fire. I remember that vividly. Mm-hmm. And I even remember going to school discos and taking my Earth, Wind, and Fire vinyl with me, and I would be the one dancing around like a lunatic. Everyone else would probably be taking in kind of well, I don't know Michael Jackson stuff, but that was my
0: favorite. Album. Is this, an, and I was very this, young. What kind of, which album was it? Um, gosh, it was, well, I can tell you what was on the album. It what was, kind of year is
1: it? Uh, b- the Boogie Wonderland era. Oh, right.
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, and Barry Manilow, actually. He Love was on Barry. in the house. Quite. My mum loved Barry Manilow, loved that. Then uh, skipping forward, um, I, I remember... A relative, I think it was like a second cousin coming to the house and bringing me uh, introducing me to AHA and I just thought they were the most exciting thing I'd ever, when I heard Take On Me for the first time it just started a whole new obsession for me with pop music and that band actually, I just, I love them love them, love them, love them Uh, and I also love the stockcake and a waterman time. I think one of my first uh, purchases was the Kylie and Chase duet. Not, um, that, you're
0: not the only person in the world that to have said that, and it's okay. and, and it's one to be proud of for sure.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, it, but for a time it wasn't. That's what's so sad. Um, yeah, I mean, it was poo-pooed, but no, I, I love that song and, um, yeah, it's funny how different songs can take you back to certain times. I even remember my, God, this is going to sound really depressing, but I remember listening to, uh, oh, what song was it? Um, paint it, is it paint it black?
0: By the Rolling Stones. Rolling
1: Stones. Yes. yes, I remember listening to that in my bedroom, and then receiving a call that my grandmother had died. And I know this is like so sad and so depressing, but it's funny how I mean I listen. Like if I hear that song now, I'm taken back to that moment. There are just songs that take you mm. back to a moment, and I feel like that's what life is made up of. Actually,
0: mm. yeah. I, I agree with that. And were the was it people like Aha? Is that are those the sort of the idols? You know, the, your, who were your first kind of pop star idols? You know, the oh ones Aha, that without it's, doubt. It's, it's, it's <laughs> and specifically Morton, I would imagine. I mean,
1: absolutely Morton. And actually, about maybe eight years ago, I was given the opportunity to work with him, and I didn't do it because I thought it might destroy how I felt back then because it was oh, such wow. a big part of my life. Yeah. I just thought if this if I go in with him and he's not how I thought he would be,
0: mm.
1: it will kind of just, I don't know.
0: I think I think that's a shame a because, my youth. <laughs> it, because as far as everybody I've spoken to is concerned, he's completely lovely.
2: Oh, I should have gone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I know what you mean. There is a never meet your heroes thing.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't. Ne- I wouldn't have been able to work properly. I think I would have become quite. uh uh, quiet. I don't think, I, I don't know. I think it would have been a disaster. Well, that would,
0: that's a wholly different thing though. I think there's the one thing is that like you couldn't do it because what if, well, if he wasn't nice, which he is. But the second thing is, you know, if you are literally just a quivering wreck in the corner and unable yeah. to do your job. Yeah. That's not a good look. Yeah. It was
1: such a, it was such a big part of my life. I mean, I, I adored them. I adored
0: them. And and he just had as well with Morton as well. I mean obviously there's the big pop songs, but I mean the timbre of his voice is extraordinary, isn't it? I mean Yeah, he's amazing. When you go back and listen to that stuff. I've I've seen a few bits of pieces. They've been doing some orchestral stuff recently and Mm. he's still got it. I mean still him singing Hunting High and Low is
1: Yeah, well it's almost operatic, isn't it really?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you're listening to these songs, you're Mm. obviously very inspired by pop music in general. Yeah. Um, do you have, uh, when do you start, do you start getting an inkling that you would like to be a singer, be a pop star, be a writer? What's your beginnings of that journey?
1: Well, the beginnings were so, uh, it's funny. I remember loving music. I remember feeling very emotionally drawn to music. I mean, it, I can hear things even now to do with my children, for instance, mm. if they're, if they're learning some, so for instance, they're learning Blackbird at the moment. Right. Um And when I hear them playing that on, on guitar, it makes me feel emotional. And then if I hear that song on the car, I think of them and it makes me feel emotional. And I've always been like that. So, I mean, just, I don't know, everyone loves music, but I, I do think I'm kind of maybe more of a sensitive soul. So I can, I don't know, it can just raise certain emotions in me no matter what I'm listening to but um I even when I was at school I wanted to I remember wanting to take music GCSE and I was kind of advised not to because back then I I wasn't uh, graded so I wasn't graded in anything even though I could kind of play a bit of piano and I could sing um so I didn't do the music GCSE, so therefore I didn't take it to A-level. Um, but I was often in productions and I'd often perform at school, which I did enjoy, actually. I did really enjoy performing then. And as the older I got, I became more, I don't know, that side of me left. I think the idea of performing in, an, in front of an audience became quite a frightening thing, mm. um, which is why studios are perfect for me because it means I get to sing and I get to do the thing that I love without that fear. Um, so then I managed to get a place at university doing the performing arts, but I actually, funnily enough, I wanted to be more, uh, music based, but again, because of my lack of, um, qualification, I couldn't do it. So I auditioned for an acting place, which I seemed to blag my way through, um, got a place there. And then once I was on the course, I changed all my modules to music pretty much. Hmm. So I managed to do more music that way.
0: Is this with a, with a notion that you are going to be a singer? Are you going to be a pop star? Are you going to be a songwriter? What, what is, what's the end game of what you were studying? What do you, what was your hope, hope to get out of it?
1: I guess at that point, I started to focus my attention on uh, wanting to be a session singer. Excellent. And I didn't think anything, I didn't think anything beyond that, actually. Hmm. I mean, I never, uh, yeah, the goal was, my goals kind of came one step at a time. So once I achieved a goal, my goals then changed. Yeah. So I don't know, when was this? This was like the late 90s. So I'd left uni and back then you had physical copies of the Melody Maker. Do you remember Mm -hmm. those? Yes, I do. And in the back of the Melody Maker, um, there were... Actually, having said that, actually, let me go back. I do think I went for the audition for the Spice Girls. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> me What's saying that- I don't want to be a pop star. But okay. I do so because I was at a performing arts course, there was constantly uh, notices on the board. And I went into the West End and auditioned for a girl band, and I think it was the Spice Girls. Wow. I think they were called something else then. I think it was advertised as something like touch.
0: Right. Or something weird like but that. But as you say, odd, considering you were slightly shy.
1: Yeah, I know. But I used to kind of just have moments of, oh,
0: let's so just. it. Let's yeah. See what happens. Yeah. You, what was your audition song?
1: Uh, I can't remember the, oh, was it? Uh, I think it was um, Janet, uh, Janet Jackson. I, I remember I, oh. I had to dance. Okay. Uh, what's that song? I've forgotten the title There are times when I look at together again Yes, that one, right And I remember doing a dance routine And singing it at the same time And I wasn't trained as a dancer <laughs> No, I, had to, oh, I I basically choreographed my own routine And I think it involved me crouching on the floor And kind of very slow, slowly rising up As if I was coming out from beneath the stage But there was no stage right. I was doing it in real time And they must have thought this looks awful <laughs> But uh, needless to say, yeah, I didn't become
0: one of the Spice, spice girls. G-
1: No, I mean you know their loss.
0: <laughs> well, I know, especially with the rising from the floor choreography. <laughs>
1: no, I know. Oh God, maybe this is why my it stopped there. But yeah, I do. I do remember doing that. I did some yeah crazy things occasionally. But um, yeah, so where
0: were so, we? So you are answering ads in the melody yes, maker ad, for sing. session singers uh, yeah, which by the way it's important for people to know because they don't know that is you are an incredible singer as much as you're an incredible songwriter your voice is inc- is perfect for pop music as well so it's, yeah. an un- it's one of those things where thank you especially kind of in that time period specifically there was quite a lot of work around for people to uh to do session yeah. backing vocals to, to back up some, you know, pop songs and
1: stuff. Yeah, I did it a lot actually. And, and, the, and basically the training that I had, um, by the, the jobs that I did, which, which is what I'll get onto in a minute, really helped me. And I, and actually not taking anything away from my vocal ability, but actually my vocals are quite, ah. Oh, Quite bland. So I'd say that when I'm, they kind of just merge in with anyone's voice, which is hmm. even though bland sounds quite negative, it, it was actually quite a positive because they just kind
0: of go with any artist really. Cause I just sit comfortably in the background. But, but I think anyway, that's, but I think that's yeah. sort of as well, I think that's almost like a chameleon like yeah. nature whereby you can blend, you know, you have it. Karen Paul has it. Kathy Dennis has it. It's that thing of being able to just you know, sort of sit there and, and, and just really blend with. Yeah. We don't want to take
1: over the, the, the main vocal, do you? It's all about the lead really. We're just,
0: we're just backing up. So so what is your, what are the first, when you, you've answered this ad, what are the first sort of sessions you get then?
1: So I uh, started working for, actually it was a guy called Ricky Hanley and I think he does lots of K-pop stuff now. And he set up some auditions in town for backing vocalists. And, and lead, well, it, was like just, it was just all general vocals. And I basically got the job, and the job was uh, vocaling I don't know if you, I don't know if you remember them, but you'd do covers. Yes. You' do covers, and then they'd be kind of sold in like bargain bins. Yeah. people would buy them much cheaper and it would be me singing
0: steps. Yeah. So it's like the old top of the pops albums or what they, yeah. yeah like cover I, versions of, of, of the charts.
1: Yeah. So I yeah. mainly, I started doing it in Italy and I loved it. They'd send me to Verona, which is where I used to go. I'd go there for two days and I'd probably churn out 10 tracks mm-hmm. in two days. Um, lots of singing, but it was really good fun. And, If there there was one thing that I could actually do really well, I I can do backing vocals very quickly. I can Mm -hmm. work out harmonies very quickly. Um, I sing in tune. So there's, you know, I don't think there was that much uh, technology then. So it was important to make sure that everything was sounding right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did lots of that. And so, for instance, I, I, funny, one of the songs I remember really enjoying singing was... uh, is it only a heartbeat away by steps was it was a christmas song was it a christmas heartbeat, song
0: yeah it's called heartbeat it's a gorgeous oh, was it? song oh, yeah was and it? actually okay. and actually that has got some very 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 difficult difficult, harmon- difficult harmonies in it
1: yeah and i think it's beautiful and i love the way it's oh, it's, it's one of my
0: favorite songs of those we just did last year when we did the tour we did an orchestral oh, did version you? of it and oh, it's um, so fun to sing <laughs> i know but those harmonies in the chorus are not easy <laughs>
1: No, and I also had to be all of them. So I had to be H. Yes. I had to be Claire. I mean, I did the whole schming. It was great. I did some All Saints. I did some Spice Girl. I mean, so actually, it was really good training. Mm. So that's where I, that's what, that's, that's what I did then. And then I started to write this. So I never ever knew or thought I was a songwriter. It never can, I mean, it never, uh, entered my head actually I mean uh, I've always had a good ear for music but I may, maybe I just didn't realise that there were there was a job called top lining mm-hmm. you know when you just don't come across something and then you realise yeah. it's there and you it's, think oh I'll have a hmm. um, and it happened over a very long period of time so bearing in mind I left uni at 21 uh, I started doing these uh, jobs with uh, doing the covers And then I, with the people, so with Ricky and there was another guy, uh, we started writing. I think they kind of encouraged me to maybe let's try writing original songs together. Mm. And I thought, why not? Um, And then we wrote some songs actually that weren't bad. And then I started to present them to people that I met. And eventually, uh, yeah, I started meeting lots of various different people to the point where by the time I was 28, I signed my first first publishing deal, which is actually when I when I think about the artists I'm working with now, they're all super young and they're signing their publishing deals like when they leave school and stuff. And it's pretty cool. But and it took me a long time. But actually, it was a journey I needed to do, I think.
0: Yeah, but I think by studying, by doing all the covers, you're studying intrinsically how pop songs are made. Yeah. Um, and you're inside it as well. And also, I think when the top lining thing, I mean, you're never having, uh, in before that point, never having this kind of desire to be a songwriter. You have obviously found not only the melody, but the lyrical side. It all kind of started to come quite naturally to you, I would have thought.
1: Yeah. And... I mean, I always, I still think even now, I think, I do think I'm still learning actually.
0: Oh, I think we all are.
1: (laughs) Yeah. uh, I think, I think music's changing all the time. I think lyrics change all the time. I think the way people write songs, I mean, now everything's a lot more literal, I think, lyrically. Yeah. So the artists that I work with, it's, it's literally coming out of their head and it's how they're feeling. And whereas, uh, maybe 15 years ago, I was being more ambiguous. My writing was more ambiguous. It tend to, tended to have layers. So you, you'd think you'd be writing, uh, listening to a, a, you know, a classic pop song and then underneath there'd be another story going on. I mean, that's what I was doing then, but it's very different now.
0: Yeah. And what was the first time that you got a call to say that a song, that a top line that you'd done was going to be recorded by an artist?
1: Okay, so. I know that S Club juniors were quite near the beginning. Uh, but the main, I mean, I, I don't know
0: chronologically,
1: but I know that some girls actually were straight away. Was it? Yeah, because I had, I had this, uh, in my first publishing deal, so somewhere along the line, it was written into my contract that if I had a top five hit in the first six months of signing, I would receive a bonus. Okay. So this was written into my contract because having a, a, a song have that success in that short period of time is highly unlikely, mainly due to the fact that you have to just, you start, you know, you have to start writing, you have to, um you know, it takes a long time from creation of song to release anyway. It can Mm. sometimes take three years for a song that you've written to come out. So timeline wise, six months would be classed as really quick and it's never going to happen. So they agreed to this bonus in my, (laughs) in my publishing contract. And then we got Rich and I got a call that some girls was going to be released by Rachel and i think that came out three weeks before that part of my contract was up so i did receive that bonus and i don't think anyone expected it to happen and it was a real fluke
0: but i just kind of remember that quite fondly because it was yeah i mean what are the chances was that the first song that you and richard wrote together yeah it was so was that the first time you met him yeah and yeah and we did what- that the
1: first day and it was wow. so much fun because we what, just laughed yeah, what do you and remember had a great time. Yeah.
0: I mean, did, did you walk in and he had a sort of idea for a track and then you just went? And I mean, it, I try to explain to people that don't do songwriting that it is a very weird situation that you go into a room with someone you've never met before and immediately have to sort of almost be creative.
1: Yeah, it's pretty, it's quite intense. I still, to this day, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, but if I'm told I'm going in with someone new, I still get the fear. Yeah. I kind of, I I worry that uh, I'm not going to think of anything. Yeah. I worry that they're going to be disappointed in me Mm. if I don't think of anything. But then, you know, half the time you come out and you've you've gone from there being a blank space to a song at the end of it. I mean, it's still quite hard to get my head around even now.
0: Yeah. And they have exactly the same fear.
1: I assume so. I always (laughs) assume that people don't have the same fear as me because I feel like it's me that's the most fearful because I put a lot of pressure on myself to make... So, for instance, if a song doesn't do very well and there's four writers on that song... Yeah. I usually just blame me. Right. I don't know if everyone
0: else does that, but... Probably they do, but, yeah, I I get what you mean, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like, oh, I've let everyone down. It's ridiculous, really, (laughs) but um, I still do that now. (laughs)
0: So was, was some girls, was it actually written with Rachel in mind or was it just literally, here's a track, here's a, right. No, yeah, it was his track, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And was it sort of reasonable, was it almost kind of, by the time you left that day, was it kind of like a fully formed thing? Pretty
1: much, yeah. That was, um, that one we did really quickly.
0: So you kind of must have. I suppose you didn't know then, but obviously that ended up into being a sort of songwriting soulmate with the two of you. Yeah, I mean, and and he is fun.
1: He's really good fun. We are completely on the same wavelength. Uh, I think we kind of there's a trust thing there. We trust each other musically. I mean, I respect him, and he's like he back then. He was almost like a bit of a mentor as well Um, for me um he's really knowledgeable uh, but also I mean <laughs> just on a humor level I don't think there's many people that I laugh with on a work level like I do with him I mean it's ridiculous we just have the best time yeah and we've been through a lot together we've had some good sessions we've had some not so good sessions we've experienced success together we've experienced uh disappointment I mean it's just there's We've been on a long journey. It's been really awesome
0: with him. So, and I might get the chronology wrong here as well, but am I assuming that because of that, probably the next thing would have been the Annie record?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Quite soon after, I would have thought. That
1: was quite soon after. And that was, uh, that also was quite good because it was a time then where you had a lot more freedom, actually. Yeah. Um, And funnily enough, I think it was... uh, when we did, so we did Chewing Gum. I remember, I, re, I remember that really well, writing that, because for that song, I think Richard already knew what he wanted to be that, uh, he, wanted, he, he wanted it to be about Chewing Gum, I think. I think he said that. So then I spent the day before writing loads of lines about what that could be about. And then I went in and then again, that was really easy because it was all kind of done between us through a conversation on the phone. And it was just da, 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 da. So again, we just went in and it was like this super fun thing because it wasn't arduous.
2: Mm. It
1: wasn't like, you know, some songwriting sessions, you feel like you're trudging through treacle, you know, cause you just don't have a plan, but we had a plan with that and it, it was great. And Annie's amazing. Annie was up for it. You know, Annie's very open. So not only has Annie taken songs for Rich and I, we've also worked together. She's hugely talented, but it's just that openness. There was no resistance to uh,
0: to any suggestions or songs that we had. It was like a, a great trio. But I remember hearing Chewing Gum for the very, very first time and it just sounded so fresh and so unlike anything. And actually, you know, that title and everything, it just, mm. it, 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 it and i think it spawns i think it was incredibly influential in a lot of songs by other people that came after it as well because yeah. i think it just it, it 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 twisted it a bit and i know there was that whole thing with electro pop electro clash or whatever it was but it was smart and it was clever and it was catchy and she was yeah bri- and she is brilliant as you say yeah. she's a she's super a cool brilliant brilliant pop star and um highly deserving of, of, of more success. Mm. Um, and I mean, there was f- from that of, obviously over the years as well, there were, there were other, so many other songs that you wrote with her or for her as well. Um, songs remind me of you is, is such a great song.
1: Well, interesting songs remind me of you. I think, I think I'm right when I say this, I think that came, uh, I mean there, there was maybe an element of feeling disillusioned about the music industry around that time, mm. which, Uh, You know, that comes in peaks and troughs anyway. So, you know, sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. And I think we'd obviously had some songs out with her. Then there was this kind of uh, middle ground where we weren't really sure if things were coming out. I think there was a label involved. And I I think that's the track that Rich said, we'll just he he put it out himself. I Mm. think that was the one.
2: Mm.
1: And then so... It's like with any, when, with any track, if you put a track out into the ether, anything can happen. Hmm. Whereas if it's just on the shelf, it's always going to be on the shelf. So he's quite proactive like that, which I like because I can be quite tenacious with certain tracks as well. Like the Kylie one I mentioned before. So he thought there was something in that track. We wrote that track, the three of us together. Um, he put it out. I think he did all the artwork with a friend, which was amazing. And, uh, off it went and then actually to date that song has, even though so many people will never have heard of it. I mean, it's been really good to us. I mean, I think it was maybe a couple of years ago that Metro Boomin and Travis Scott Mm. sampled the chorus Mm. and rapped over it. I mean, how amazing is that? (laughs) (laughs) And it was a complete surprise, but I mean, it's the gift that keeps on giving, but that's, it came out and that's, that's why.
0: That's it. I said. I say to people a lot of the time, especially in the the, the sort of newer world as we are in now, you know, um, just put stuff out, you know, as long as it's good enough, as long as you're happy and proud of it, uh, put it out because, because streaming is a shop window and you never know yeah. who's listening. Yeah. I mean, I you wouldn't have for one second believed that that song was going to get sampled and put on a rap tune, but... No way. S- someone heard something in it that you didn't know and then it it's great
1: yeah. and i don't even know how they heard that i mean i know it was um, there was the there was a version of it on a kind of kind of an underground film yes yeah um, so
0: i don't know if I, who knows but, 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 it but, say, it, yeah. but it's out it, it's out there yeah. and um the other one any song i wanted to talk to you about was the again you've got so many great titles in your back catalogue where does i know your girlfriend hates me come from
1: Now that was a song, the three of us again, and that was Annie. Annie, I think Annie sent. So for instance, like sometimes we'd send her something Hmm. and she'd go with it. Awesome. Sometimes she would send us something that was like a formed idea. Hmm. And then we would go, this is awesome. Let's work on it. And that was one of those.
0: Yeah.
1: So this was something she'd been noodling away on.
0: That felt like almost a, a, almost like a Prince Kind of songs, yeah, 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 yeah. Again, that was so much fun to write, we had a real giggle. <laughs> <laughs> so, top lining, we we'll am gonna, I can, impossible to go for everything, and I'm gonna pick a few little highlights. So, top lining, sometimes you get that job where it's a completely existing dance track and you have to write a top line. So, for instance, yeah. the Danny song that you wrote, yes, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was already a, an instrumental dance track, right? By the time yeah. you got it, yeah. Um, was there any brief on that, or was it we just need a great top line on top of this? And, w- and was Dan, I- Dan involved? Did you know it was for Dan at the time?
1: Yes, we went in together. Oh, I think she'd been sent it. She loved it. Mm. So she asked if I'd work on it with her. And yeah. um, we went to the strong room together. um And I think we went in with an engineer and we wrote together, put the top line. I mean, that was kind of bish bosh. I mean, that was uh, written, done, released. Yeah, Um, and that was yeah. We worked on that together, and again, that I think that came out quite quickly. Actually, I mean, it's lovely when that happens. You just feel like you're going into work, you're creating something, and then it comes out straight away. I mean, there's nothing. There's no greater feeling, actually.
0: Well, also, yeah, yeah, and also when you've got a you know a bona fide pop star attached to it anyway, you know that you know it's going to get the attention it deserves as well. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I think Danny and I have been working quite a lot, actually. We've been working together for some time. Um, and yeah, I think she just asked me to join her. So mm. I, again, I was fortunate that she asked me and that we created something that she was happy with.
0: Yeah. And back then, did you have, you know, the famous sort of... Or thing of like scribbled down lyrics, little ideas.
1: I had a a book bag. In fact, I had so many of them. I think I have one shoulder that's slightly lower than the other because I used to (laughs) hoof around all these books with me. And then I started obviously taking my laptop and now everyone's just got a phone. I mean, I'm not quite at phone level yet. I do still feel like I need... A laptop in front of me.
0: But also so, is that, that that's that thing about it's nicer to type, you know, especially with lyrics yeah. and stuff. It's easy, you know, it's for for us it's probably easier to do that. I mean, but if, if you can if you can have that almost, you know, a 1000 words a second on a phone then that's, yeah but yeah, I, but prefer I d- to,
1: the best thing honestly is Google Docs. Yeah. I mean, since that came into my life, I mean, me and my writing partner for the day we just kind of send each other a doc and we're like tippy tapping away we'll have each other's ideas and then i'll Mm. write a a line and then my partner will just tweak it slightly and
0: Mm. oh it's amazing it's so much better and you can't lose it no i know i know (laughs) it's the the best (laughs) there's that awful thing that happens in so many sessions it was like i'm sure i saved that no
1: I know it's like uh, so when I work with Richard because one he says when I'm singing my ideas I sing like a mouse and okay. he just can't stand it because he wants me to be like loud and present in the room but again mm. that's I'm, I guess I'm slightly more introverted but um and then uh, oh god
0: I've forgotten what's Google Docs Google Docs Google uh, we'll Docs writing with Richard sharing ideas oh saving stuff
1: oh yes yeah, so he he has to have. A mic permanently on in the room. Yeah, because I have a habit of singing something that he says is good, and then, oh, yeah. two seconds later, of course, it's not the same, and he yeah. gets
0: quite cross with me. I <laughs> oh, am yeah. um, yeah. going back to going back to Richard briefly. Um, yes. When you say some of the songs in the middle, um, I mean, some of those are ones that maybe didn't make it. Some of those ones, some of them are songs that did come out, but maybe deserved more attention. One uh-huh. of those songs for me and one of my favourite things you've ever done is the St Etienne song that you wrote, Method of Modern Love. Oh, That yes. is such a gorgeous love affair to the 80s, that song.
1: I know. Peter Lorraine is another mega fan of that song. It's, he loves that song.
0: It's, and, and just such a kind of cool band and a very different sound for them. But yeah. I mean, was that, again, was that done for them, with them?
1: No, that was a song that uh, I, gosh, who did I do that with? Was it Matt Prime? Did we do that together? I think we did. And Richard. And Richard, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was just a song that I got my uh, being a bonnet about, and mm. I didn't want to give up on it. And I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. I think I just, I think I think played a version to Richard and he really liked it. Now, R- R- Richard won't do anything he doesn't like ever. Mm-hmm. So he was quite happy to do his thing with that. And I think at the time he had a connection with St Etienne and I think he played it to them and then they liked it. So it's a chain of events. Right. And um, yeah, and I'm so glad again that that came out because there are songs occasionally. I mean, I have some now in my iTunes that you just think they'll never be heard. I think one day I'm just going to put them all on Instagram. Go, there you go. Bye.
0: <laughs> I mean, Listen the thing is, yeah, well, you've got your, I mean, the thing is, you, yeah, and they've all got your vocals on them anyway. So, mm,
2: yeah.
0: So, yeah, I know. I've always, there's someone that I spoke to about that actually, someone, I don't remember who it was. It was a few months ago. Someone was saying that there should be some sharing platform for basically songwriters to just put up the unused songs.
1: Yeah. As long as they don't,
0: as long as they don't have, you know, any artists on them. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it, it's fine. But, uh, it's funny
1: though. You say that about my, I, I've started going into sessions, not wanting to sing. I've stopped that now because I think voices have changed. Right. And I think voices now are so different that I can't always sell a song in the right way interesting yeah so I've stopped and I always I actually often ask now if I can go in with another writer that's got a big voice okay and I have found that it works and I have more stuff coming out or on hold because I swear if I was singing it it wouldn't sell to a record company
0: Which is interesting as well, because you, there's some of those songs do need big voices, but then actually from a modern perspective, there's an awful lot of songs and an awful lot of new artists and singers that have, you know, much more, much quieter voices. Yeah, but
1: even still, I still think they just have this kind of, I can't even explain it. It's like this technique that's Mm. quite hard to mimic.
0: Yeah. Which is is helpful when you're working with artists, I suppose. Um, But I think
1: think that's part of it. I think it's knowing when to take a step back. I'm quite happy to take a step back because I would rather have a song out than not. I agree, yeah. And I think you have to... So sometimes I'll get, like, dance backings through. That's, like, a current thing. They're coming through all the time. And I'll think, right, can I do this justice? Probably not. So then I'll pick a person because I've got lots of writing buddies and I'll mm. pick the one that I think lends itself to the backing. Mm. And I think that's part of the job knowing who to work with to make it more
0: appealing. Yeah? No, it's it's definitely part of the job, and especially when you're p- pitching songs to uh to people especially if it's something like A&R where they will only hear so, you know, hear it one way and if the you know, if you can if it sounds a little bit like the artist that they work with, then they'll they yeah. they, they have not all, but some don't have quite have the imagination that we would hope.
2: Mm.
0: So um, it is part of it. And that, that's why I often say to people, if they're pitching a song and, you know, they're doing a big production, it's like, Matt, if you don't have the right drums, maybe just don't have drums. You know, yeah. just have a piano and vocal. Like, the worst thing you can do is deliver something that sounds, that, that everything apart from the song sounds wrong because they won't even get to the song. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think that's that, that's important. Um, I want to talk a bit about Sophie because you've done a lot of Sophie Ellis Baxter. Um, yeah, and she's amazing. Isn't she? And, yeah, I
1: think, yeah, she's cool.
0: And, and c- continually. So, um, yeah. she supported steps last year and uh, we, I watched her go out, uh, on her own, literally, uh, into a full arena with just her and a microphone and a backing track. And she had everybody in the palm of her hands. Mm. Um, which is extraordinary. And obviously, when you were working with her around the time when you were working with Biff uh, and Freemasons, uh, doing songs like incredible songs like Biz is Sweet and Starlight. Oh, um, I loved
1: that. I, I did love that one. We, I think both Sophie and I thought that might do better than it did, but hey ho.
0: But it's such a great sound. That whole thing for her was such a great sound. And I think. Oh, it's uh, great, yeah. And. Uh, Again, probably, I imagine, a, a really fun, creative process working with her.
1: Yeah, I mean, what, Sophie is, I'm, I'm incredibly fond of Sophie. Um, she has an intelligence uh, to, when it comes to her lyric. Well, just in general anyway, but I mean, when it comes to her lyrics, um, she's really easy to write with, um, She's an articulate person anyway, so that comes out in her words too. Um, we both enjoy similar songs. I mean, we, we used to talk about songs we'd listen to, new and old, and they would always kind of connect. We'd be on the same page. Um, I think she just has a real genuine quality. And I think people really like her. And I think that's why she's still doing what she's doing, because people just want to see her and hear what she's doing and the kitchen discos were a stroke of genius that was such a lovely thing and a very honest thing to do because we were invited into her home yeah every week to see her singing and dancing with her children which i think is just utterly lovely
0: and it wasn't what i love about kitchen disco is there was not a there was not a single idea of well if i do this then it could then be an album and a tour it's like well i'm just going to do this because yeah we're all going through the same stuff at the moment.
1: Yeah, it was really yeah. honest.
0: Yeah, and I, I always think those are the things that connect the best in yeah. anyway. Um yeah, And I love absolutely. that it's turned into a, a, an album, and I love that it's turned into a tour, and I love that it's turned into a Radio 2 show. Yeah. And and people now, when you say talk about something like Bittersweet, I think people are now going back and rediscovering some Sophie songs that maybe they hadn't quite given the yeah. attention that they deserved at the time.
2: Mm-hmm
0: um and she'll be performing she's still I mean seeing her live I saw her live last uh last year, or year before like the full band set up live it's such a great live show as well and so many bangers like literally so many hits yeah she's great and
1: so. I, I always think I mean she always like looks incredible the outfits I mean everything's just so fun and yeah I think she'll be doing what she's doing for a long time to come actually
0: and also one of those singers, I really enjoy singers who you can tell it's them within four seconds of oh, hearing them.
1: Completely unique vocal, yeah. And I mean, have you heard of that new new app called Hurdle, which is like Wordle?
0: no what's that
1: so wordle is the it's the you know, words the, yeah. the words and then hurdle is you have to guess the intro in like a one second and i'm terrible at it actually but i imagine if she was on there we'd all, we'd all be we'd all guess well, it really quickly
0: number one i know what i'm doing with the rest of my day <laughs> uh it's only one, probably Good one luck. a day though isn't it one a day no yeah, i love I I stuff like that but no i think it's important as much as you know we talk about you know, sort of new artists, and there's there's some incredible new artists, and I'm you know consistently posting new music. And I know gosh, you're very good at that. Gosh, it's hard to find eighty thousand songs a day going up on streaming. It's very yeah. hard to find, um, but I'm I. There is an awful lot of the same sounding, usually girl that you know not the same girl but the same sounding person on lots of these records and it Mm. becomes more and more difficult whereas i've always loved you know like sophie's a great example we just oh it's sophia spexter
1: yeah well so you know i'm interested to know what you think how do we distinguish between i mean there are so many great artists out there i mean what makes one more likely to succeed than the other
0: um I i ask this all the time well, I think it's different things. I think there's, there's, as you asked, I think there's, for me, I think there's there's two categories of that. I think there's great for the moment and great for all time. Mm. So I often go on, on about a thing called longevity over trending.
2: Mm. And
0: I think that, you know, having someone that's blowing up right now, mm. which is happening all the time, um, within a six-month window who will then get replaced by the next person that's blowing up right now. Mm. That's one thing. I think having someone that could, will still be here in 20 years is another. And my only – my, and this has been hard in the last two years, and obviously for all the reasons that we could imagine. Because the charts don't matter anymore, mm. because streaming figures kind of don't matter because of that trending thing, I feel, for me, the sort of definition of – that sort of success is bums on seats at concerts because it's the only time that a person has got to physically part with money and almost leave their house yeah. to do something so that or merch or whatever but that thing of of engagement of really yeah. real engagement with an element of life performance yeah that's my thing i don't know what your thoughts are on it but that's sort of mine
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I guess there does have to be a unique quality. Um, But I also think about, I mean, the longevity factor. I mean, we're we're talking about people that were here before streaming, aren't we, when we talk about Sophie. So we've kind of grown to love her over the years. Yeah. And therefore she'll just stay with us. Mm. Whereas streaming, even though it is fantastic for it's like a great platform for all these new artists to put their stuff out yeah how do you just have that chance in the first place to connect and therefore
0: gain that right to longevity that's what I mean that is the that's the tricky thing and it's uh it it's that thing about finding that fan base I suppose and you know that thing that I always say about find the tribe, you know, it's better to have 200 dedicated fans than 20,000 sort of fair, fair weather fans, if you know what I mean. Um, I think a lot of it is recommendation, um, from people. I think again, putting the stuff out and not knowing where it gets, goes to, I think a lot Mm. of stuff that gets used on, as you said, on TV shows and various things like that. And I think it's artists endorsing other artists. So I think playlists are very, very helpful in the fact that if you've got, so if if an artist puts out a playlist with their tracks on it, and then they put some other people like that, mm. um, but I do think also that there is uh, a lot of what would be perceived as the overnight successes of streaming are not overnight successes, and I think the best example of that is Phineas and Billy, Eilish, like, who've yeah. been doing it for years before mm. that ever happened, and you know Phineas arguably is you know an incredible genius as much as 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 his sister. So, um and Billy's one of those people that I know a lot of people sound like Billy, but if, when you first heard Billy, no one started Billy. Billy yeah. started Billy, yeah. <laughs> so now you've got a a million versions of her that probably aren't as good. Yeah. Um but you again, she's one of those voices, but I, I, my in answer to the question, I think it's uh I do think it's that thing where you just need to have a recognizable quality, um, vocally I really.
1: I mean, I work with people now and it's just it's like another world. they They have so many days a week for writing and then the other three days are for content.
0: Yeah. I mean, so
1: it's a full-time
0: job. It is. I mean, I spoke to on here, I've spoken to recently, I've spoken to two of my favourite new artists, um, Grace Davis and JC Stewart, Mm -hmm. who... Are both exactly you know feel so compelled by that all they want to do is is record write and record yeah and but then i go back to you know actually neatly um goes on to my next thing of, of talking to you about something of the days of old when we would work with pop stars uh, or pop groups um and even then, they would usually have. So, say for instance, if it was like a big, you know, girl band or something like that, something like Girls Aloud, mm. you know, they would have probably three percent of their entire time dedicated to doing anything to do with music, and the rest was promotion. So, I in know. a way, it's it hasn't actually changed. It's just the promotion, the way they're promoting the style, has changed. Yeah. But actually, I remember doing stuff with even, I don't know, someone like Atomic Kitten once where I had the, I had 10 minutes with each girl because they were doing too many other things.
1: Yeah, I remember that. I remember those days, actually. I remember working with the sugar babes once and they arrived, stayed for 10 minutes and then they had to go for the driving lessons. Yeah. Actually, that wasn't promotion, obviously. <laughs> But it was still their manic day. That but it was fill in, it was Fit in driving lessons.
0: So in a way, I mean, I mean, obviously it's slightly different because PR and and all that kind of stuff is 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 let, it, They had teams of people to do it, whereas now the kid, mm. the guys that are doing it now, are doing it themselves. But I do think that in a way that it's now it's like oh, it's got to be content because there aren't the TV shows, there aren't the thing, there aren't the budgets, there aren't anything.
1: No, it's nothing.
0: So, um, and I mean talking about bands. I mean the band that you were so very nearly in um, that you could had <laughs> of course, had, yeah. had they had reacted the more sick, positively. The Six Spice Girl. The Six Spice yeah. Girl had they reacted more positively <laughs> to your blossoming from the floor choreography? Um, you you get to work with two of them. Uh, I and, know, and the, and the first one being Miss Halliwell, which yes. who you got to. An interesting point in her career, because obviously she she did that thing that nobody expected was when she came out of the Spice Girls, she released the most brilliant for me, Mm -hmm. the most brilliant first single. Yeah. And it was like, oh, yeah, she's got it. And then when she gets to you, it's a whole different album project with a different sound and a different feel. Mm -hmm. What do you remember about those days from working on Passion?
1: I remember, well, I was lucky enough to be able to, again, actually, that came super, super early in my career maybe too early. I was a bit wet behind the ears, but um, I was, I was fortunate, enough, uh, fortunate enough to be working with Ian Masterson, um, who's a good friend, super talented. Uh, and oh, I, I actually can't remember the first meeting, but I do know that Chris Briggs do you mm-hmm. know Chris Briggs? I Chris. I think he, legend. he's legend. I mean, he's just super lovely. So he was her A&R. Yes. That's right, isn't it? Yes. And he and Jerry came up with the idea of Ian and I going to Los Angeles to work with her. And we were just super excited. I mean, there's one thing going somewhere like that by yourself with an artist like that, but to be able to go with a buddy mm. is so much fun. So, and I actually can't, I wish I could remember these things, but I think by then we may have had the, no, it must've been, I'm just thinking about the Some Girls debacle. Oh, Uh, yes. That must've been, that must've been where it ended. Yes. Um, So first of all, we went to Los Angeles. I think it was meant to be for 10 days, but it was extended to two weeks. Nice. And, <laughs> oh, you've just got to understand that. Even, so obviously, leading up to my publishing deal, I was, uh, I was doing my session work, but it still wasn't enough to earn a living. So in my spare time, I was selling Mars bars and M&Ms. That was my That was my job. So, you know, I was now going to LA with Jerry Halliwell, whereas, you know, six months before... I was selling M&Ms to Mm -hmm. news agents. So it was kind of a big change and it was very exciting. And Chris Briggs put us in a really rock and roll hotel called the Sunset Marquee. I don't know if it's still rock and roll, but it really was then. So that was super exciting. And uh, we got to LA and I do remember, so we had the first day to climatize from the jet lag and Jerry at that time had a house in the Hollywood Hills and uh Ian and I went to the bar that evening we had a couple of drinks and um, it was genuinely a couple of drinks but the next day that first writing day I was actually really quite unwell and Jerry called me and said right I'm going to be picking you up in 10 minutes and what had happened that morning was I'd woken up feeling really unwell and the hotel reception called me and said we're going to move you we're going to move you out of that room and I said, oh, I don't think I can move. I'm, I'm quite unwell. And they said, no, we need to move you. We don't know why I was being moved. But anyway, so Jerry called. She said, I'm going to come and collect you. And um, I said, you'll have to leave it an hour because I've got to move room. And she was quite cross about them moving me, especially when I wasn't feeling very well. So, <laughs> so basically... In between then and her picking me up, everything was suddenly resolved and I wasn't moving rooms anymore. And I was suddenly surrounded by bouquets of flowers in my room. Okay. And what she, what she did was she rang reception and said, I believe you're moving my colleague out of her room this morning. And they said, yes, we are. And she said, could you, could you write this down for me? Take a pen, take a pen. So the receptionist took a pen and she said, you ready? And she said, yes. And she went, L. And that was it. That was all she needed to do. <laughs> And then all of a sudden I was in my room and I was surrounded by flowers. I mean, it was insane. I mean, it was cool. what an icon. I mean, yeah, I mean, she was just hilarious. I mean, she was really funny. And um, I mean, maybe I'll try the name spelling thing in the future, but I don't think I'll get the same response. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's... Um, what? How wonderful, though. Like, what... And so cool to hear a story like that about Jerry as well, because it's like yeah, she's all these, awesome. Yeah, she's so cool, and I think uh, yeah,
1: I know. And then so she picked me up, and we drove to the studio, and she was on kind of lots of calls with management and various different people. I was vomiting out of the car window. I mean, it was a really awful start to my week, um, but she was really patient. <laughs> She was like, absolutely fine. And then we got to the studio and we started writing and um, yeah, it was really good. I mean, after each session, if we had a song that she loved, I think, uh, I don't know if Love Never Loved Me was part of that, but I do, I mean, I remember how much she loved it. And she'd often, we'd drive back after the sessions and she'd take me for little tours around Hollywood to show me the sights, but with it playing. So we'd have like, I'd be sitting there and she'd be playing our demos really loudly in her car. And it was just so surreal to be in that situation. But I mean, I'll never forget that time. And I'm really grateful to her for taking me on such an exciting trip because it really was looking back. It was so exciting
0: absolutely and love never loved me arguably one of the one of the best solo records she ever made i think i mean that,
1: yeah again i mean I, that was a, that was a great tune that was a great tune
0: it was a great tune and there's also that gorgeous song on that because it had that obviously it had that lovely opening and all those kind of different things but there's a lovely song when they called there's always tomorrow which had that kind of yeah. latin feel yeah i remember that's what she wanted she wanted to do something like that
1: but i guess when she did um chico latino yes i was gonna say something yes that one um i mean she does love that i mean i think she's got i think her mum's spanish
0: yeah so she's connected yeah 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 but it's really interesting going back and listening to that album um which i did when i was sort of before i was going to chat to you and just kind of re re and those those days It's weird, isn't it? I suppose now it's very much about tracks and not about albums. But those days it sort of was in the way it was like the single, the video, and then there would be other tracks. Um, Mm -hmm. And sometimes with pop stars like that, people didn't necessarily dig much deeper than the singles. But I think it's actually good to go back and listen to some of those album tracks because there's some real gems in there, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, we also we're in a time now where we don't really have album tracks, do we?
0: No, it's, no, no, it's just tracks. It's just, yeah. it's just singles. And you got, you, you did a double Spice with Emma as well. So you did yeah. the one song with Emma. Yeah. Um, who I have, I've always been a huge fan of her voice because mm-hmm. it just has that softness and sweetness and yeah. just, I mean, such an easy voice to write for, I would imagine as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um... Yeah, she has got a super sweet voice. But I also think, I mean, I really do, did enjoy their solo projects, but I guess there's something about a girl band that makes everything extra special when you get them all doing their individual sections. And I think that's what makes a girl band so kind of exciting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That's what makes it work. The interesting but, thing about everything that I've mentioned so far is it's all girls. Yeah, so, I know. I've
1: hardly worked with any men.
0: Apart from Mr. Young, who comes up on this podcast quite a lot.
1: Ah, yes. Again, that was kind of, uh, but the song was still written for women. Of course. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, it's. I mean, it's obviously not a choice that you've made, but it's interesting that along the lines... I know. It's,
1: I think that might might change actually because I'm starting to work with people where I'll be in a writing session with another top liner that's a guy and they're doing a male vocal and it's like. Well, as to- you say,
0: if you're not doing the singing so much, if you're not selling mm. the song so much. Yeah. You know, I've, that that comes up quite a lot on some of the mentoring stuff that I do as well. It's like if you have an opportunity, try and do a male and a female version of the song.
1: Oh, that's what I do now. We do one of each. Yeah. There's a guy I've started to do some bits and bobs with called Kai Sones Do you know him? No. So he, I think he's just uh, – done the remember track with Dave getter. Okay. Um, so I do a few dance bits with him. So yeah, he, he will do a version and I will sing a
0: version and then we send both. Send both. Yeah. That's, that's a good one. Multitasking. Um, Yeah. Multitasking. Um, and sort of uh, kind of moving forward to kind of the last few years. I mean, I'm, you were one of, were you one of the first people to work with Zara Larson? I was, I was literally. And she did release a song that we did together,
1: it was and an I think
0: EP wasn't there.
1: Yeah, it was an EP, and the song was called "I'm in Love with Myself." Yeah, and it was on Spotify until very recently. It's just gone been taken down. Shame, oh, shame. Yeah,
0: shame. Uh, was were your impressions of her at that time that she would end up being some ridiculously global superstar?
1: I had a funny feeling because I was working with ten. Uh, ten I think they're the management uh, they uh, looked after or I think they still look after icona pop yes, so I was working with them, and then that led on to zara so i I kind of trusted their judgment, so I had this funny feeling that um something could happen, and it yeah. did <laughs>
0: <laughs> no that worked out, worked out really well um another one of my absolute favorite things you've ever done was a song that originally you wrote and were, well that you wrote and was originally released by Kiara Hunter that, but then Louise uh, took, which was hammer. Yes. That is extraordinary.
1: Yeah. Well, to be honest, that was, I think that song was, um, kind of pretty much pre-existing, but there were just some changes that Louise wanted to make. And I went in with her. I think she came here. I think she came to the
0: house. But I think her, her version of that is, uh, I mean, the, the the original was great. I think her version, I mean, we actually, before, literally the week before the very first lockdown, Louise was on tour mm. and um, I'm her MD. Oh, gosh, and, yes. And the I remember opening that now. song was Hammer. Oh, was it? And we had a massive, you know, one of my big, you know, reveal. Thing. We gave it the full, I'll have to send it to you actually, we gave it the yeah. full treatment, the full big, you know, she's on stage reveal moment, you know, everything and just... Mm. Oh gosh, what a, what a June. And also the other thing is that you wrote um, with her, you wrote Villain as well, which is yeah. still consistently anytime I speak to Lou, it, it's one of the favourite things it's she's definitely ever. definitely one
1: of her favourites, yeah.
0: Oh my God, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was just, again, that was just the first time we met. We just, that was, uh, we'd never met before. Um, yeah, she, I think by that point, she'd written a lot of songs, a lot of songs, a lot of camps and yeah, we did that together, and she loved it. It's very, it's
0: very her. It's very her. It's a cool title, and mm. it's you know, it's it's a very smart lyric as well.
1: Yeah. Oh, thank you.
0: Another person that you've worked with a lot and is incredibly talented, and maybe people don't know is Liam Howe. Yeah. Um, and that's how you got your Lana Del Rey experience. So yes. Talk to what me a
1: an bit experience. about that. Um. So Lana, I mean, I remember meeting her. So clearly we were at Liam's house. His studio at that time was in his attic. Um, we were waiting for her to arrive in the kitchen. And I just remember her kind of coming up the stairs and uh, she just looked like a superstar even then. Now, actually, there's, there's an interesting story about our Lana Sessions because it's another example of, oh, if only it could have been different in the respect that we wrote Lolita that, on the first meeting. And it's funny, actually, if I have a good day <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on, the, on the first meeting, <laughs> then, I mean, awesome things can happen. So we had a great time together. And at that point, um, I mean, there was a lot of interest in that song in particular, and it kind mm. of changed things for her. Um, so then f- maybe several months after that, we were booked to go in again. And this session was completely different. So her mindset was not the same. She, she had the body of work. So she had video games. Amazing. She had, um, well, she, had, she had the album. And nothing at that point was happening. So it was all very stagnant for her. And she said that she wanted to change everything. She said, I want to be... She said, I think I should go down a more Gaga or Britney route. Really? Yes. And Liam said, don't do that. He said, you have a body of work to be proud of. I mean, you should really own it. You know, good things will happen. And she said, but nothing's happening. So I don't want to be in limbo for the rest of my life. I want to try something new. And actually, over a couple of hours, I mean, that's how long the discussion went on. And I mean, and it was quite, I think it was quite upsetting for her because she was stuck. She kind of wanted to change her direction because she felt like no one was taking notice. And then at the same time, Liam saw exactly what she had and was encouraging her to stick with it to the point where he dug his heels in and said, if you want to do Britney, I'm not your guy. So the session ended before we'd even begun. So there was no song that day. And it obviously ended quite sourly, I guess. And it meant we never got to work with her again. But looking back, he was he was 100 percent right. Because it wasn't long after that, that I think it was Fern Cotton. Was it Fern Cotton picked up on um, video games? And mm. then it was suddenly all over the radio and the rest is history.
0: And she did that super smart thing where she made that incredible video of old Oh, Hollywood her videos clips.
1: are much better than the ones that cost a bazillion pounds.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing that because I remember hearing the video games and just, yeah. And it was, I think it was the video, like the, the cut together one. And you just, you know, you oh, just. Oh,
1: they were so cool. Very clever. Very, very clever. And um, she's and, a great ideas person.
0: And how amazing that, like, considering the career that she's had and based around that sound, you know, that it for there was a point there where she was having a wobble about it.
1: Yeah, and I think it's actually, uh, you know, I'm sure she w- she wouldn't mind me saying because at the end of the day, everything worked out for her. And I'd like to think that looking back, she realizes that it was actually out of support for her material. Mm. It wasn't. It would be very different if like. Us as the kind of creators with her were saying, "Let's try something like Britney," and she was like, "No, I'm Lana Del Rey, and this is what I do." And then, and then she went off with video game. I mean, it was the fact that it was that way round. I think shows that he was really supportive of um, and could see what she had. I mean, I just remember, you know, I say she kind of floated upstairs, and her idea of who she was was so strong. I mean. She came up in this kind of like all-American outfit. It was a bit kind of cheerleadery, but not cheer. I mean, everything—the aesthetic was there from the from the off. And I think it's really important, especially around that time. You could tell a good artist from the ones that were less so by this strong identity. Mm. If they have a really clear identity, then we, the listener, are also going to understand that identity. And then we can relate or not relate depending on what we're into. But I mean, she was everything, everything, the de- attention to detail was bang on.
0: I think that's a, a perfect answer to the question that you asked me earlier. i what you've just described <laughs> there
2: <laughs> well, is, okay. is
0: in that engagement, that yeah. thing where people just know what they're getting. And also, um, for you to just have that, you know, th- that song on that album, i
1: know how lucky am i
0: (laughs) but it was was, not only that i mean it was a great song but actually for it to then go and do what it did Mm. i mean that's one of those when you look at the end of the year and those you know those albums that always just sell loads and loads on vinyl every year like back to black and stuff like that's that 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 album's one of those it's that timeless yeah longevity if you want to talk about longevity that's one of those records that will be in people's favorites of all time for years and years and years to come.
1: Yeah, well interestingly, I've noticed that's that it's songs like that that appear on TikTok even now. Not that I know anything about TikTok, I don't, but I just I'm told by younger <laughs> writers that it appears on things and people that weren't necessarily at the right age for knowing about it at the time, they know about it now. I mean yeah. it, that album definitely carries some weight and I'm really proud to have been part
0: of it. Definitely. Talking about the new generation. By the way, I've, I'm expecting you to start a TikTok with your choreography on it at of some course. point. Of course. Just yeah, you know, that's you what inter- I'm doing you, after this. Yeah, you interpreting <laughs> co- your interpretive dance to modern yeah, pop Yeah, my songs. contemporary dance. Yeah. I think it's. I think it's gonna. I think it would be a hit. Um, you've been doing as have a lot of people um, sort of working in the kind of K-pop area. Um, yeah. I know you did uh, that uh, the track. The G friend, G Apple friend. track, which yeah. again just sounds like a classic Hannah Robinson song. To be honest with mm. you, it's just big, sparkly, white. I'm screen. singing
1: in Korean on that, by the way, just to mention another string now, to my bow. I,
0: <laughs> I know from personal experience. Thankfully, I haven't had to do it, but I had to do something in uh, in that kind of language or work or something like that. That is not easy, and no. there was, phonetically that is not easy because one slightly wrong phonetic sound could get you yeah, into trouble. I know. So how did you do that?
1: Uh, well, I'm quite good at mimicking. So first of all, I asked them to send me kind of in English what the sound would be. So so you
0: wrote the song in English, then it got translated.
1: Yes, then it and came And then they sent it
0: back to you and then they said, could you put some backing vocals on it or something? Is yeah. that what happened?
1: And I, I actually, at first I thought it was a joke, but it wasn't a joke. So then I just did it so the sound matched perfectly over and over again, over and over again until it worked. Sent it in really proud of myself. And then they came back with, this is great. Can you now do it in
0: Japanese? And you said, I said, of
1: course (laughs) I'm your girl. (laughs) And I thought when I actually thought, when's this going to (laughs) end? But What?
0: Once a session singer, always a se- I mean, that's that thing. It's what you just said about the ability to be able to blend with the artist. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just, it's um, mimicry, always. But you like, you love it though, right? I can. Tell I do that. love
1: that, actually. I find it like, it's like a challenge. Yeah. To get it as perfectly the same as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, if, if I could have more work like that, mimicking for a living, I'd be all over it. I love it.
0: It's, it is really, it's a real art. I remember, um... I used to work quite a bit with uh, Tracy Ackerman and, um, and obviously she did quite a lot with Spice Girls as well, but mm-hmm. she had a thing and I know you, I'm sure you do this as well, which is where she almost had a thing where she could double track a lead by someone else. And yeah, like, and I bet. you can, you can almost switch between the two and you yeah. can not, you know, because as you said, it, it's just sound, isn't it? It's just sound yeah. and phonetics. Yeah. So that, that, that is, that's fun. And, and I suppose that thing with the, the K-pop stuff as well is, it is great. People often say when they talk to me, as oh, when we're doing the K-pop pitch, it's like, oh, well, it doesn't matter because they're going to change the lyrics. It kind of does matter because they are quite fussy about what the songs are about.
1: Well, and I also think it does matter now because more and more will have English lyrics. Yeah. So yeah. you do have to think about what you're doing. But actually, someone once said to me, I mean, it's, it has to mean something, but also there is this kind of, as long as it sounds good. Yeah. It does have to sound good. And so you've got to be very accurate with your kind of metering and your rhyming and, and they, K-pop, they tend to like very choppy. Yeah. Rhythmic melodies. Mm. So you've kind of got to play the game with that a bit. Certain
0: things that it won't work. And they, and they do love not, not everything, but there's an element of, um, of that market. Um, especially in, in Korea and Japan and, and China, that um, they love that melody thing. And also they've got a real, sometimes there's a, there's a real love of that 80s thing. There's a fantastic um, female artist called Ai Lee that it pretty much just releases what I would describe as Whitney Houston ballads. Um, mm. And it's adored. And I think the same thing with some of the pop stuff, particularly that song that, that, that you wrote, It has a, you know it has a melodic structure. It's not... Kind of trap beats, and you know what I mean. Yeah. It yeah, feels yeah, yeah. like a pop record. They don't mind. Yeah. They, what I'm trying to say is, they don't, they don't mind pop records.
1: No, they don't mind pop records. They're not trying
0: to be too cool. They're just saying we just want a big, yeah. sparkly pop record.
1: Sparkly, and they go all out on their videos, which is really exciting. I mean, they're yeah. always fun to get. I've had a terrible history of awful videos. So to have a good video like that was what, songs that brave. you've
0: written that have, the videos have ended up being awful.
1: Uh, In my opinion, right. So, I thought the Some Girls video was pretty poor. Okay. Uh, I don't know why she was emerging from a sewage system. I mean, do we know why she emerged from the sewage pipes of London? Do you know? I I don't know. There's
0: a there's a there's a somewhere there's I'm sure there's a creative document explaining that it's a metaphor for something. I don't know. I mean, I
1: still don't understand why that song was a charity
0: record, to be honest. But. That's a whole other issue. It must, that must have been to do with a TV performance. What? The, but she would have been on a TV associated with the charity. Therefore, that would be then the single.
1: I know, but it has such a dark content. It's I mean, a it doesn't is, it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, I felt a little bit awkward, but hey. Um, and then we had the Liberty X video. Oh, Yeah. Everybody cries. They were walking down a train track while rubbish bins were being emptied on their heads. I mean, again, I feel so. Sad. theme. <laughs> I know. It's the dirty side of life for some yeah. reason. And it follows me.
0: <laughs> well, I'll stick to K pop because that's always <laughs> shiny. That's always. I know. That,
1: there were no bin bags in that video. There were no, no
0: bin bags in that. No, no. Um, another one of the more, more, most recent songs you've done is for an artist that I'm very aware of because I've, I've sort of posted about a lot, um, which is Call Me Loop. And I think. Oh, the, Georgia. The, oh, my yes. God. So I've, I've really enjoyed everything that she's done so far, but Painkiller, I wasn't expecting, but I was no, very No, I know. Very, it's very grown happy. up, isn't it? But I was really happy. And I think those things. Like it's really important to have those songs because I know everyone's saying, oh, it's, you know, let's keep it up tempo. Let's keep it this. But whenever you watch any of these, any of the Netflix stuff, any of the stuff that, you know, the dramas and stuff, those are the songs that people need. Um, How was that collab? How did that collaboration come about? I'm guessing it was virtual.
1: It was virtual because it was during lockdown, um, lockdown two. And so again, When we first worked together, that was, I think we were just coming out of lockdown one and it was all a bit weird. And we went to the studio with uh, Sam, I can never pronounce his surname, which is terrible. I think it's Klempner. Okay. Kempler. Sam, I apologize. Um, And on our first meeting, yeah, it was all masks and hand sanitizer and sitting apart because we didn't know what we were dealing with. But we did write her new single, which is coming out in two weeks. Wow! And that is a banger. So we so we wrote a banger the first yeah. time we met, hmm. and then we've had lots and lots of sessions since then. And then, in particular, um, uh, we met on this Zoom in lockdown two, and we wrote Painkiller. And I have to say. She's super open. So at that time she was going through a breakup and she did not hold back. Mm. And it was a very, that song in particular was very important for her to release because it's just her outpouring of sadness, Mm. to be honest. I mean, it was a really big deal. And I think she's only just coming out of that now. Um, Yeah. So... I I was just very pleased for her. And again, I I want for her, I want her to have the audience. I want people to hear her material because I do. I think she's really talented. I think she's really talented. I mean, I'm now at a stage in my life where I literally when I go to work, I just want to have a nice time with nice people writing fun things. I mean, that's all I'm not. I don't think about, right, if I work with that person, it's going to get me to that person. It's going to get me. That. I mean, I just literally, and I know lots of people do think like that and that's fine, but I, I I can honestly say, I just don't think like that. I just want to just, I don't know, have a great time with lovely people, which is what I'm managing to do right now.
0: But I think you've you've always had that as well. And, and I think it's never been... I don't think you've ever been one of those songwriters that yes, you you might get a brief or you might know who the artist is, but ultimately the the, the song is the king. Ultimately, mm. the song is the song is the, And it was interesting. I was our mutual friend Ian Masterson. Um, we were sort of messaging this morning um, about stories to ask you about. None of which I'm going to be able to on this podcast, but we'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll do it another <laughs> time. Um, but he's and I and I know how, I'm sure he won't mind me quoting. He said that um, she's never been one to chase a hit. It's all about how good the bones of the song are, song are and how, how much she crafts hard at that. And I think oh, that's true.
2: Yeah. I think, that's you know, nice. you
0: just, yeah, you just want get to get into the crux of the, whatever happens to it, happens to it. Of course, you're a songwriter and that's sort of how you make money. So it's helpful yes. if that then becomes successful.
1: Yeah, it's, it is helpful. But, but it's my, all about the relationships and the, the fun part.
0: Yeah, exactly. And presumably, I mean the you you are I suppose it's a 50-50 thing now. I mean, you've you've mastered the art of doing the virtual thing, but I imagine you're doing you going back in and doing some real sessions now or is it all still yeah. very Yeah.
1: Artists prefer real sessions. Yeah. Um I do quite like uh, you know, um intermingling it with um virtual because it means I can get up, take the kids to school, yeah. sort my house out, do yeah. a Zoom, write a yeah. dance song, pick kids up and repeat. Yeah. Whereas if I'm going in, it changes everything. Mm. And I, that's not a complaint. It's just reality. So if I can do a bit of both, yeah. then everyone's happy.
0: Yeah. And of course, recently you were able to channel your earlier days of pretending to be all of steps by writing a song for steps. I know. Yes.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, was there, was,
0: was, was there a temptation to just get that out <laughs> when you did the depth? I mean, did you do the depth? Did you vocal the demo for that?
1: Yeah. I mean, but I also actually, because I wrote it with um, Barry Stone. Yes. And Julian Gingell Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did the duet with Barry, which was just, the back. it was there great fun. I mean, we, uh, that was great. So For
0: that, in a stars in was like, You are H and Claire, basically, for that particular yeah. demo. Yeah, but, but
1: again, that song nearly didn't happen, nearly didn't make it. Because when you've got a band with so many members, yes. everyone has to agree. Yes. So good luck getting Tell everyone to it. agree. Tell me about <laughs> it. Well, I think, um, I don't know what the ratio was. But, you know, you get whittled down. So for, so with lots of songs, I mean, sometimes it can be thousands. I mean, I know there's been some, I think it was maybe the K-pop thing that I was whittled down. And you get these emails saying, you're down to the last 100. I mean, if you make it to the last 100, you are in with a chance. Um, so I think with the Steps song, there were lots and so- lots of songs on the list, whittled down, whittled down. And then at the last hurdle, it was binned. And then something changed and there was some wiggling around and all of a sudden it came out of the bin it's and the, made it onto the album. The and I just it's, think it's, it's, a, it sounds,
0: it's such a steps track. Yeah. It's, it, it's really good. But I think it's that thing that you, it's never, it's never on, it's never a hundred percent until it's actually on a record.
1: No. Also, I've, the, the, I've noticed, so at the moment, I have a lot of songs on hold, uh, potentially 10, mm. which is great. Now, back in the day, those holds always materialise into cuts pretty much. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, holds tend to just fizzle out into nothing. So definitely don't get excited about a hold anymore. Yeah. That sounds quite bleak, doesn't
0: it? But it's no, true. I think it's real. I don't think it's bleak. I, I, I have to sort of, I think there's a an honesty to that and just say, keep, keep writing, keep doing stuff that you enjoy and expect the unexpected, you know, a song from four years ago could all of a sudden turn up. Yeah.
1: I'm nowhere near as emotional or emotionally attached to anything I write anymore. I know that's quite sad, but I used to be so attached to everything that came out. I remember being, I was actually in Soho house with Ian Masterson and Terry, Terry Ronald. And uh, I just had the release of Rachel Stevens, Come and Get It. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it might have been So Good that came out. And I think it charted, maybe, I think maybe it was number 10. Mm-hmm. Boo hoo. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sitting in Soho House saying, I'm just, I'm so devastated. I'm so gutted. I can't believe i let her down. I've let everyone down. This is just, you know, I've put her in the pop cemetery. I mean, I was absolutely gutted by this chart entry because back then that was seen as an absolute failure. Okay. Yeah. Now I look back and I think, gosh, why didn't I enjoy that more? But I think it was Terry said to me at that time, and I kind of never got forgot it because it was kind of a bit of a, you know, sort yourself out, love, which is fair enough. I think he said, you know, lots of people don't ever get into the top 10. I mean, they may, they may have one hit and never have any others. You've actually achieved a lot. You may never achieve anything else. Be really pleased with what you've done. And it was a wake-up call. And actually, probably then onwards, I just see things much differently. I write things. I let them go. I hope they come out. If they do, great. But I do not feel that need to get so lost in what is deemed a failure anymore because I just think there are people that hear songs and enjoy them there are people that don't enjoy them and I think you should just uh get on with it (laughs) basically
0: just get on with the job and don't worry about it too much because otherwise you'll go mad I think that's true and I think um but there's also that part of you that you've uh, demonstrated two or three times when I've been speaking to you that if there is one, you know, going back to can't beat the feeling and songs like that, if yeah. there is one that you aren't going to accept is yeah. over unless you really, really, really give it absolutely everything. Yeah, you have to. When you've got those ones that are nagging and you just go, I know this is this will work. Yeah, then then you'll. you'll I mean, give there it.
1: there has to be an element of tenacity. Yeah. You can't, you can't just rely on everyone else to make your songs, uh, you know, to bring them into the world. I mean, there's other, there's other elements. I think you as the songwriter has to help them along.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean,
1: I'm a terrible networker. So if I'm not networking because I'm useless at it, then I have to be proactive and that's what I try and be. So if there's yeah. something I believe in, I'll keep giving it a nudge.
0: That's really good. And I was, I was going to ask you about advice for songwriters, but I think you've just given that actually, which is just that keep going, don't give up. Don't give up. I
1: mean, there's going to be, for me, I'll kind of be up here. I'll be feeling really good about stuff, like lots of exciting things happening. And then it can take one thing to bring you down and you'll be feeling that for a little bit. And then you have to kind of gather yourself. And pick yourself up again. I mean, there are going to be moments of where you're feeling really disillusioned. I think everyone feels that because, as I mean, I'm an older writer. I go in with lots of new writers. I love working with these developing artists, and I just see what they're going through. Some days they walk in, they're like super high, yeah, everything's great, Woo, making a video, ah, and then the next minute it's like, oh, you know, people aren't. Oh, I need a bigger audience, or people aren't listening to something, you know, and I see the same peaks and troughs that I went through and go through. And I just think keep going. Just if you have a talent, keep going, which is easier said than done because there's obviously the financial element, which is difficult, but uh, you would never get through the music industry without these dips. So you have to re- learn to be really resilient basically and be tenacious.
0: Yeah that's that's good advice and i also say sometimes that there are always two sides like for instance people say it's so hard now because there's so much so many people out there and so many songs coming out to streaming and everything like that but if you go back to many many years ago you wouldn't even get your music heard unless you were signed to a record company and had enough money to go into a studio Mm. so there is a world even though you are in the in a massive massive people there is a world where you can record a track and you can release a track mm. on your own depending on regardless of who gets to hear it if you are love your music and love what you're doing so much and you have the ability to be able to at least record it or have a friend or someone that can put something out and you can just release it yourself independently and do your own pr and your music can get out into the world, so the, there is there's there's plus there's pros and cons to both of it, and I think you know back in the day, you you could have the best songs in the world, and they wouldn't ever mm. see the light of day. You know, we effectively people now are re, not everyone, but some people now are releasing what would then be our demos.
1: Yeah. So you yeah. would
0: do a demo of a song that would only exist on something that would be given to an A&R person for an artist. Mm-hmm. But actually now, as you said, those things where if you go in and you write a song, and I think Richard was talking about this with someone recently, he did as well. It's like, you wrote it, you recorded it that week, it was literally released two weeks later. Mm. That couldn't have happened 30 years ago, 20 years ago. No. So there is no. a bit, I think, you know, and I think if you really want something to happen, you you can't expect other people to do it for you. No, which is which is, uh, which is which is which one of those things. But it's good. I mean, I we started before the conversation. Hannah is now on Instagram. She's going to be enjoying that. <laughs> yeah,
1: oh, <laughs> I do. I just like funny cats. I mean, that's, I need to get better cat, at this. Your
0: cat hasn't been very funny. Your cat has just <laughs> wandered in. I have had funny cats on here, but your your cat just wandered in and sort of slept. I know.
1: Yeah. He's just plonked behind me. But yeah, that's all I seem to
0: do on Instagram. I does need you, to get better at it. Does your cat, is your cat involved in, uh, when you're sort of doing demos and singing? Is there any sort of? Uh, they, he's always with me. Yeah. But he loves r- it, yeah. R- nonchalant. No, no sort of special cat thing of this is a good song, this is a bad song? No, no
1: special cat talents, unfortunately. He's just a good vibe. Not, not, a good,
0: not a good judge of song.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, good. Um, just quickly, I mean, yes. I was going to ask what you're up to. Obviously, working with lots of new artists, lots of yeah. things. And, mm-hmm. and seemingly the most, the thing that's coming up straight away is the new Call Me Loop, which I'm really...
1: New Call Me Loop and new Reuben Gray, actually. Oh, good. Yeah.
0: A, a male artist. I know. <laughs> there you go. are just saying I don't work with male artists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good. That's a challenge. Yeah. Lovely <laughs> lovely to catch up as and always. Thank you. Thank, and, you. thank um, you for having thank me. Thank you for sharing all of those wonderful things. And um, we shall meet up in the real world, potentially with Mr. Masterson. We'll go and have a nice lunch or something.
1: Yeah, that'd be, that'd be lovely.
0: Fun. Good. All right. Thanks so much. And I'll see you soon.
1: Thank you.